the legend, the icon. Look at this. It's the Robert Cool Bell. Thank you. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to meet with us. So, um, Summer Madness, Get Down On It, Celebration, Ladies Night, Jungle Boogie, <laughs> Too Hot, Fresh, Hollywood <laughs> Swinging. These are just a few of the signature songs that Cool and the Gang is responsible for. Um, these songs provided the soundtrack for things like cookouts, graduations, holiday championships, bar mitzvahs, you name it. Now that you have time to reflect, did you think your catalog would have stood the test of time the way it has? Well, well Shanae, first of all, it's a blessing. Now, we started young. I mean, I was only 14 years old when I started. We started as a jazzy actor. Right. Whole town band, cooling the flames. Mm-hmm. And we had to change that because of James Brown and the famous flames. Right. <laughs> and we didn't want to have any problems with the Godfather. So, well, what should we call ourselves? So our first producer and manager, a guy by the name of Gene Witt, he said, well, let's call yourself Fool in the Gang. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's how it all came about. So let me go back, because when we were Soul Town Band, we had, we would have to back up uh, about seven to 10 artists twice mm-hmm. a month. Yeah. And that was a part of the Soul Town Review. Okay. And the Soul Town Review was trying to be like the Motown Review. Mm. So we would have to learn all these Motown records. You know, some of the uh, guys, uh, they were singing uh, some Temptation, uh, uh, Smokey Robinson, uh, uh, then they had James Brown. So we had to learn all those tracks. Anyway, long story short, we finally changed the name to Cool in the Game. And we mm. came out with our very first record in 1969 called Cool in the Gang. Album mm. called Cool in the Gang. Single called Cool in the Gang. So everything was Cool in the Gang. Cool in the Gang. That's good branding. Yeah. I mean, being legendary and with some icon and stuff, I know in your part, just from you saying right now, all the people that you've met and come across, has there anybody that you've really been in awe of the music that they've done or the things they've done? Well, um, uh, throughout the years, I mean, you had uh, Stevie Wonder, uh, mm. Marvin Gaye, uh, even our brother Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> Great scores out in Vegas. You know, for, that's I mean, uh, you know, Del Fonix, uh, friends of mine. Yeah. I can go on and on. Nice. You know. You know what was cool about that? And I, you know, growing up listening to your music, I think the three of us can concur that we were all raised on your music. But the names y'all guys came up for y'all, for your groups, the Delphonics, the Temptations. Like, what was what was what was it, what was it like growing up and coming up with these names? Although the gentleman did give y'all cool in the game, but your names was just I know I know for me for rap music, just just this, on on a, on a note, you got groups like EPMD. Which meant Eric Parrish making dollars or Public Enemy, right? So, what was it that came into it with you guys when y'all developed names for yourself? Well, these other groups we we met as we grew in the, in the seventies. Uh, I mean, school in the gang, was school in the gang. Right. But uh, groups like the Delphonics and the Intruders and uh, right, uh, the Parliaments, uh, the Whispers, the Whispers. Well, you know, the Parliament was a group uh, 
called the Polymers with George right. Clinton. That's right. And mm-hmm. they had that big hit, I Just Want to Testify. Mm-hmm. And then he changed up. We saw him, actually Gene Red, who managed us at the time, was doing something with George Clinton. Mm-hmm. So we right. saw him over in New York one day up on uh, 7th Avenue. He had this uh, Mohawk haircut. Mm. All about George, man. I'm going fucking Dallas, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Split out of what he was doing into the whole funk movement. Mm. Now we have been doing, you know, funky music, funky stuff, funky granny. uh, Who's gonna take the weight? You know, uh, all the stuff that we were doing. But uh, he came out with that, and. that was a killer track, uh, you know. Yeah, I went that, that whole funkadelic movement, and mm. then he was uh, he he landed the mothership for real. Yeah, he definitely <laughs> did. Monsters he was doing, we was on a couple of shows with him, and then he had got a a, a, a saucer. <laughs> right on, right on stage. Yep. Yeah. Well, Five was doing those kind of things too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Earth Wind Fire was doing big productions as well. Yeah, and and that's that's what I meant by that because those names, Earth Wind and Fire. I mean, there there was something I don't know, it was some book y'all was reading or something that was going on in them times that inspired y'all. And I was like, these guys got these great names, man. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful. Yeah. Term. Well, do you know that the uh, uh, what was that? Um, the last poets. Right. The last mm-hmm. Ports, uh, album they came out with, Hustlers Convention. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. We provided four tracks for that. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then they rapped all on the tracks. Okay. Yeah. And those were some of your early, not rap rap, but poetic rap. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you know what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. Do Do you think the advancement of technology has helped or hindered musicianship? <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm, look, let me let me let me let me let me ask the context to that question. I'm just saying that because I listen to you guys' records, and I hear, I hear big production, right? You hear the trumpet, you hear the bass, you just yeah, you hear right. the instrumentation, yeah. and you can appreciate it, and you're like, wow! Like even down to when you look at like the vocal arrangements the bridges and it's just everything it's just every song seems like a real big production whereas technology to me is sort of ushered in an era where musicianship is kind of it's, it's it's changed a little bit and I'm, I'm just hoping to get your opinion in terms of what you think about that well i mean modern technology i'm old school but i don't really get into the modern technology thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's easier to do it you know, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, uh, sampling and That's putting right. tracks together. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, uh, when we used to go into the studio, we had we would have to rehearse the songs maybe two or three days because we didn't want to get in there and somebody made a mistake. You make mm-hmm. a mistake, you got to start all over again. There wasn't no <laughs> mix or fix it on your cell phone we had to go back and do it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So today it's much easier. I would say, you know, it's much mm-hmm. easier, easier today. But yeah. Again, producing that 
live. For us, it's all about the live concept. Mm. What you can do in the studio, and you know, with the vocals and various technologies that uh, you have today, but can you bring that to the stage? Right. And that's, what I, that's what I appreciate you saying that because it makes me think about like the, the artistry of it. Like even listening to you talk about a person going to the studio for two or three days and actually rehearse before you go to record. Now it's like you have people like, all right, I'm going to sing one bar. Stop it. And then I'm going to sing another bar. Stop it. <laughs> you know, but for me, it's like I'm, I'm envisioning you guys with just a real and you're like, yo, Bobby, you on the bass. You got to come correct with it. <laughs> you got it. It got to yeah. be tight kind of thing that's what it was back during the day because mm. then you had what eight tracks then you had 16 tracks mm. and then you had 32 uh, 42 tracks and then you went all the way up to 82 tracks yeah Shoot, on the cell phone it's unlimited so that's a whole you can't bring a cell phone to no concert though i'll tell you that yeah, yeah, you got to show up and show out. Show. <laughs> but hey, that's what it was. I mean, and uh, all due respect for the music today, uh, to the millennium, to you guys, uh, what you're doing. All due respect, you know, because you, you, you're keeping us alive. You know, uh, you take a guy, as you guys know, like Will Smith. He took the last record, Summer Madness. Summer Madness. Right. Diddy took Hollywood swinging, and he got uh, Mace. And he came up with bad, bad, bad boy, mm -hmm. et cetera, and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Most sampled all time. <laughs> I was, I was gonna say that Kenyatta because I, I did the research. Like over three hundred and forty-eight songs have been sampled. Whether it's a plethora of your, of your catalog, but man, some of them songs have been my favorite hip hop songs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, what's his name? Uh, he he uh, he did a lot of research on this. Uh, Amir. Uh, Amir, over at the yeah, yeah. Fallon. Uh, Fallon, yeah. Mm. yeah. He definitely was into uh, it, you know. And, you know, it was all about the uh, the music. We just kept creating and creating music. And before um, they um, started to control sampling. Mm -hmm. Because uh, there would be tracks, and you know, we, we would know that's true. I mean, that's the track, that's your guitar lick. So, if I'm not mistaken, it wasn't until President Biden passed a law when he was in Congress that you sample, you have to pay. You have to pay. And then the record companies, then, you know, you have to get a clearance from the record right. company yeah. and the publisher. Mm. You know? So, so we had to take people off of our sample control. So how do you feel about business then and business now? What's the what's the big difference? Well, business then, you know, you, you know what you're getting. Otherwise, if you sold uh, a million units uh, vinyl and you got a dollar per vinyl, you made a million dollars. How about that? Mm. Uh, CDs, cassettes, whatever. Mm. To be honest with you, Streaming. I don't know what the hell streaming is about. Streaming. Don't feel bad. Nobody. Nobody knows what streaming is about. Nobody. We don't even know either, man. That's all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I, I think only record labels have figured out the the true way to actually monetize. Record labels and streaming services 
have figured it out. I don't know if it's gotten to the artists yet. Well, uh, I have heard that uh, some artists, if you're streaming and you're creating that market, do you put people in the seats? And more yeah. people like what yeah. you're doing, more people see you when you go out to do the live shows, and more people will come out to, to see you. That's right. But the record sales are not They're not selling vinyl anymore. They're not selling CDs anymore. Mm. You know, it's all about your live performance. Yeah, yeah. Now, the question I have in terms of what you were saying about like the laws passed for sampling, is there anything in there that allows you to go back and recoup records that people may have sampled um, prior to this law was act actually signed or enacted? Because I'm sure there's a lot of records of yeah. people that took a lot of you guys' material and made hit records themselves. I, I, I don't think so. Because, oh, man. You know, um, because you're dealing with the, the record company. See, um, the law is uh, CBS uh, uh, or Sony or one of those companies. Columbia. You know, if they want to put another record out, then mm -hmm. they have to pay. And with Warner Chapel and ASCAP and BMI, BMI they're, right. check, they're checking all that now. Mm. Or, shoot, you know, what the hell are they checking? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's a better situation today as it relates to that than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Yeah. Were you, were you raised in a Muslim household or you decided to convert to Islam? I, I decided to convert to Islam. Well, they come Islam. We played a lot of the the uh, bazaars they call it at the time, the different mm -hmm. events that the Muslims were given, and uh, we would play at the, those events. And then when uh, my brother and I we traveled uh, over to Europe, and we were doing shows for the uh, U.S. Army. Yeah, army bases and etc. etc. Mm -hmm. So, um, we played uh, near, near Turkey, and it was a, a brother came uh, to us and said, uh, started talking about Islam. And we said, Well, well we know about the nation of Islam, you know, right. but uh, he said, I'm not talking about the nation of Islam, I'm talking about Islam, where it comes from, right? Well, we got into a little debate about that, whatever. But my brother and I, that time we were there, we was uh, uh, reading a uh, uh, message to a black man, and we were reading um, some of the books that the messenger mm -hmm. was like. And he said, wow, you know, we are some great people. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, so that's kind of like how it happened with the nation. And then, of course, after um, uh, the message of the path and the peace and blessings will all be with him and mm -hmm. uh, Wallace D. Muhammad that came from, we get more into Islam from the Middle East. Right, from the Orthodox teaching. Yeah, Orthodox side that, yeah. Nice. Good stuff, man. What, yeah. what, 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 what led you or what inspired you to start playing music? Well, um, my grandmother played a little piano at the house. I was born in Youngstown, Ohio. Okay. We moved to Jersey City in 1960. So um, my grandmother, like I said, um, played a little piano. And my father, my father was a, a fellow boxer, Bobby Bell. And my uncle, Tommy Bell. So my father 
fought a lot of fighters in Cuba before they had the restraints on Cuba. Mm. And he would run into Miles Davis, and Dizzy Gillespie, all those guys was playing down in Cuba. So uh, when I, I was born, my father wanted to name me um, after a famous bass player. And I didn't know, uh, he didn't know uh, exactly that I would become a bass player. Right. <laughs> and uh, the bass player was from Chiba. And then we pulled up Monteroso, El Riquito. So mm. all those guys were coming in uh, Cuba. And that's kind of how gravitated me towards, um, towards music. Mm. Yeah. Wow. The Cuban sound, man. Yeah. That's good stuff. You guys are um, one of the groups that I could say that stood like the test of time where you see all groups break up, have issues, all types of stuff. But you guys have made it through decades. So how do you attribute that, you know, that that was that legacy of staying together and keeping it going? Well, one thing that our parents always told us, you know, uh, was to always stick together. Um, mm. You know, I was only 14 years old when I started. And my brother was 13, you know, so I'll say 13 to 15 years old. And one thing we, we did, we always remember what our family told us. Of course, yeah, you're going to have disagreements and arguments about things, but, you know, don't break up about it. And we were able to do that. Now, it's only two of us left of the original mm -hmm. crew again. Yeah. That's George Brown and myself. I lost my brother almost two years ago, DT almost a year ago. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, we're, we're the last two. But I have guys who've been with me. 20 years, 25 years, 15 wow. years. I'm just talking about from the beginning to over 50-something years. There's only two of us left. Hmm. Well, when you have, I feel like when you have that kind of talent, longevity is, um, for the most part, it's in inevitable. But over such a long period of time of creating music, can you talk a little bit about how difficult it may be to almost reimagine or recreate yourself as an artist to stay relevant? Well, it's, it's not easy, but at the same time, we uh, we have always been reaching out musically. Because when we started back in the 60s, I had the, the Jazzy Acts and the Soul Town Band, uh, the different groups that we back up, some singing blues, some singing uh, R&B, et cetera, et cetera. You know, um, it helped develop our sound, okay. which is a, mixture of jazz, pop, R&B. Mm -hmm. And then in the latter years, of course, when JT joined the band, it became what they called the crossover. But for us, there was no crossover. It was just, oh, we got a lead singer now, so we can add to some of the songs that we were doing in our catalog. We yeah. had Cure. Now we have somebody that can sing those tracks. But at the same time, we didn't want to lose our integrity in terms of our sound. When you listen to Ladies Night, you heard, still heard the crew in the gang horns. And mm -hmm. mind you heard the vocal, which was JT. And yeah. then uh, Too Hot and some of the other stuff that we did. But people still love, which I call the gang head, still love Funky Cell, Jungle Boogie, Summer Man, mm -hmm. uh, Reason Soul, Sea of Tranquility, you know, go back to all the stuff we did in the 70s. Yeah. 
That catalog is that just catalog. listening to more. That's that catalog. <laughs> I said that. I was going to say, shout out to Frankie Crocker, because Frankie Crocker used to play all this stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, Frankie Crocker, let me tell you, I was, JT had just joined the band. And I was hanging out in New York, my wife and I, at Regimes, uh, you know, Studio 54. See that? Yeah. Mm. And every weekend it was a ladies' night. So I went back to my guy to say, hey man, I got a good idea for a song. He said, what? I said, ladies' night. Ladies' night. Said, wow, it was one of those everywhere around the world. <laughs> <laughs> so George Brown came up with the music to it, and mm. I came up with the title. And Frankie Crocker broke the record. Yeah. He also broke Hollywood Swinging. He broke Hollywood Swinging too. Yeah, 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 back in the 70s, yeah. That was that time. New York City was on fire with them songs. Boy. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, can you talk a little bit about how Youngstown, Youngstown, Ohio, and Jersey City influenced your music? I would say more Jersey City. Mm. As in Youngstown, we left, I was only 10 years old. <laughs> when we left Youngstown. But one thing happened with my brother and I. There used to be this school. Uh, it was called Immaculate Grammar School. And he and I, we used to get these paint cans. And at the bottom of the can, depending on how much paint is left, created a sound. And that became mm. like all of us. You know, we beat the paint cans and they all had different tones. Not like steel drums, but sort of like steel drums. Yeah. And then when we came to Jersey City, our parents finally, my mother actually, finally got us some bongos. I played bongos, congas. So also, and then he uh, gravitated to saxophone. And I gravitated to bass. Look at that. Look at that. Is it true the loneliest monk is your godfather? Yeah, that was during the time when my father Hmm. was uh, was uh, a boxer down in Cuba. They all stayed over there on the uh, west side. And there was a gym there. And there was an apartment building. My father lived in the apartment building. Thelonious Monk lived in the apartment building. Hmm. My father would be training. And the Miles Davis would come and say, he wants to spar with my father. If I hit you wrong, you're gonna bust your lip, mess up your quit. Now you know later on. See, Miles always wanted to be a boxer. Even, even that movie, it shows him <laughs> being a boxer. Yeah. <laughs> so the longest might be all there. So when I was born, my father asked, "Hey man, you had the longest name. Why don't you be uh, my son's godfather?" Wow. And that's that's how that came about. Is that so between the longest monk? Miles Davis around, is that where the idea came to infuse the funk, R&B, and jazz? Yeah, well, Miles Davis did it too. Mm. You remember Miles started adding that funk to the jazz, you know, yeah. uh, Bitches Brew and some of that stuff he was doing. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 It all came, it came about during that time period. You, you, do you think funk is dead now? No, man, we have, uh, we have a company called KTF Keep the Funk Alive. Mm. <laughs> we got three albums on there already. Nice. Because funk is a, is a movement. Funk is a spirit. Mm. Funk is an energy. Funk is Africa. How about yeah. that? Well, look, look what's happening with this new beat. This thing coming out of Nigeria around the uh, Right. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. You can't fake the fall. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you got it or you do <laughs> Stepping away from music a little bit, share, share, share what, what thoughts of what idea came about when you put together Champagne Lake Cool. <laughs> well, listen. The, the cologne you got going on. Well, we were traveling about seven years ago in France. And the promoter came to us. He said, listen, I got uh, 20 sold-out shows. And he said, okay. He said, um, I'm doing a champagne with the late or the very white lookalike and one of the BGs. He said, would you like to sell champagne on this tour? So I said, uh, no, because my fans aren't going to buy a bottle of champagne. They want mm-hmm. some cap, t- t-shirts, something mm-hmm. like that. Real merch. Yeah. But I said, but what I would like to do, I want to get on the shelves. And he looked at me, I said, yeah, I want to get on the shelf. Like Vertical Curl, Don Perignon, Don Renard coming up out of the French rim country. So, it's okay. So I came up with the name. Really cool, because I wanted to have a French name to it. Right. Coming out of um, out of Champagne country, and uh, I wanted it to break in France first. There you go. And then come to America, maybe like uh, Eddie Murphy, maybe. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> the thing about it is this. Okay, I was born in Youngstown, Ohio. And I came to Jersey City in 1960. And my father wasn't around that much because my father was fighting all over the world. Mm. So, you know, so my mother had a little hard time. So her sister came and said, listen, you guys need to come to Long Island and then to Jersey City. So she, uh, she came and got us. And she was almost like the Beverly Hills. We all was in the back of a station wagon. <laughs> New York. And then New Jersey. Okay. So that was like a, a beginning. Now, I sometimes think about that. I say, um, how about um, this country boy from Youngstown, Ohio, move up into the business and get into the cartel? Because you don't get into France and rent. That's those 100 year old families. Mm-hmm. You don't get your name on the front of the box. Yeah. Those are families. So, how does this country boy get into the cartel? Talk about That's it. That's what it is. <laughs> I mean, I know all due respect to my brothers like Jay Z and Diddy and all of them. But I got a plot of land there. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, people taste my shit. We got to get you guys some bottle. I tell people, don't tell me you like it because of me. Because I'm a big boy. If you don't like it, I'm fine with that too. Mm-hmm. Right? But 90% of the people that taste it, they say, oh, it's great. We got a rosé, a real rosé for the ladies, not that stuff coming out of Napa Valley. <laughs> <laughs> Seiko and all that. No, this is the real rosé. And not the them, they love the rosé. We got the Grand Cru. And most of, most of the guys like the Grand Cru, you know. And then we got Blanc de Blanc. Mm. And we got another surprise coming next year. Uh, it's, it's, it's going to be called the first lady, and it's yeah. We um, Angela, who will work with you guys to uh, get you some pictures of what, what we're doing. Okay, that's, that's, a, that's, 
I like I like the sound of that one, the first lady. That's gonna fall yeah. off the shelf right there. Valentine's <laughs> <laughs> Day of next year. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know and the, the first lady is a rose also. Okay. But it's the bottle. It's how it's how the bottle looks, you know. It's mm. a mermaid on the bottle. Right. Yeah, and, I think that's a big part of um like the like merchandise and marketing, especially I think with like with with wine and stuff like that. The bottle, a lot of times, especially I think more so for women, is like it really helps. To sell. Yeah, like the, yeah. the selling aspect of it, and I think sometimes people forget about that. Yeah. Well, one of the things we're gonna do when we introduce the first lady, uh, you know, we had a song called "See a Tranquility." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Angelo got a big hit out of it when he he sampled that record and sang over yeah. it. Yeah, Angelo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a big record for him. We're gonna have the mermaid come up out of the sea, and the bottle gonna come out. First lady. Yeah. So we we uh, because like a lot of the big boys like um, uh, Southern Wines and Spirit and mm-hmm. Mermaid, you know, they, they didn't really take us serious. So well, you're not Tom Perignon, yeah. You're not just you're not that. Yeah. You no, know, no, we're not. I said, but a, a company called Applied. I said, but for every holiday, what song do they play? Mm. Every holiday will they serve Don Perry on Chris Down? What song do they play? Come on, I want champagne. We call it the celebration champagne. There you go. That's playing. Yep. Yeah. Oh, so, so yeah, Allah blessed us with that, and then we making our move. Yeah. You know? I, I I got I'm I gotta believe that that celebrate that that record has to be like the probably the most played all time record. I'm telling you, as I start yeah. by saying it, but I've heard that record played at so many different events for so many different occasions. That's a timeless record that that record is going to outlive all of us a hundred times over. Yeah. That record is going to be playing for a long time. I wonder when you create something like that and you finish in the studio, did you think that that record would would have the impact that it has today and still be around? We didn't know. What happened was that when JT Taylor joined me and when we did Ladies Night, the tag of Ladies Night is celebrate. Come on, let's all celebrate. This is your night tonight. We had just won two American Music Awards mm. out in LA. And then my brother said, you know what? That's another song. Okay. Mm. And he started working on this track called Celebration. Celebration. And when he played the track, the track itself had that down home feeling like grandma and grandpa down in Alabama somewhere sitting on the rocket chair on the porch, mm-hmm. you know, some Kool-Aid and some lemonade and mm-hmm. saying, Yahoo, can we put those little simple lyrics on top of that? <laughs> that, that record, yeah. we're going to be standing the test of time. I mean, who knows? It's all, it's all the blessings of God. I mean, uh, yeah, all all we didn't know that. Yeah. There's a party going on right here. I would I could, look. I'm I'm no good because I probably would have my calculator out every time a sporting event came around. Well, did you know the you know, celebration was played in the uh, space station when the astronauts got up one morning? 
<laughs> and that, that doesn't surprise me. Like I said, like cross, you think about like cross generational cross, whether it's male, female, whatever, any, any demographic you could think of race, whatever it is, everybody, that record has everybody been embraced by yeah. everybody, different continents, country, states, wherever you go, that record is embraced and accepted. And the magnitude of it is just, you know, probably because you lived it. Maybe you can't step outside of yourself and see it, but I'm sure you've been at venues or been on stages at concert and seen the response to that record. Oh, you know, yeah. like, and step outside of yourself and be like, man, like, this is, so, I was here for, for, for the, the infancy, the actual creation of this, and to see people respond to something like this, that's got to be an amazing feeling. Well, you, you know, Jan, um, uh, the blessing is, um, we have songs like Summer Madness. Mm. We have songs like Jungle Boogie, mm. funky stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, who's going to take the weight? It just goes on and on. So, so what you saying is every record y'all got? Celebration is ultimate. is ultimate. But after Will Smith, he took Summer Madness and came up with Summertime. Then he got a Grammy. Then he went on to the movie business. Yep, just like that. Oh, uh, stop! Right, that's right. That's the trajectory yeah. how that went, man. Yeah, Diddy, I mean, you, you guys know who on sampling our music. Try yeah. talk, it just goes, you know. It's a blessing, man. It comes from Allah. It comes from God. I mean, all I have to say is y'all praise is God. It sure, it, it sure is. You mentioned That's losing right. your um losing your brother and, and losing DT in such a short period of time. Like, how did that? I guess how did that impact you as a person, and how did it impact the group also? Well, I mean, those were cheap players, you know, my brother, uh, Tenna, VT, Alto, mm -hmm. those are all key players in the band, you know, it hurts a lot. I just lost my first cousin who was Cool the Gang's manager two weeks ago on the client. On the client, a guy ran into, he was going to make uh, Juma prayer about four in the morning, mm -hmm. some of these crazy white boys out there smoking and drinking, jumped to the violin and hit him dead on. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. But wow. you know, we um when the law calls us, we go. You know we can do about that. When your time comes, your time comes. But yeah. it makes us stronger. Otherwise, we're not just gonna give up. Yeah. We understand that. I lost my wife four years ago. We just celebrated her passing uh, this past weekend. Yeah. So, so, you know, what you gonna do, man? It's, it is what it is. Yeah, 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 man. Got the very, very resilient, man. Very resilient. You know, not only from the standpoint of a musician and and being in the industry for decades and being successful, but also like listening to your stories about your personal life. Like that's that's, you know, your resilience. Well, I can't talk about it all right now. We're working on a documentary. Mm -hmm. um, we're working on. A movie, nice. and one of the working titles is called Hollywood Swing Number One with a Bullet. Mm, I like it. Two yeah. sides to that story. I like it. I like Actually, today when you had the Billboard, you got Number One with a Bullet. Castbox Number One with a Bullet, or Record World Number One with a Bullet. Mm -hmm. nice Other side of all that. Yeah, <laughs> to be told at some point. I'm not gonna talk about. It. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. You can't. You can't give those away. Look, I, you no. know, one of my favorite documentaries. Did you ever see the um 
I think it's debuted on NBC. Did you ever see the Temptations documentary? Oh, that was a hell of a documentary. I yeah. thought that was very, what? I thought it was put together well. That play was a hell of a play, too. Before, yeah. Yeah, it was oh, yeah. before uh, COVID hit. Mm-hmm. I think it's back out there now. Yeah, yeah. I thought that that was, I just like, I was at the edge of my seat. Wait, all right, so this is a two-night event? I need night two to get here. That was very well written and very, yeah. very well put together. You did, um, you mentioned COVID. Like, what did you, during the pandemic, you know, I know you're out on the road a lot and, you know, you guys are performing, but during the pandemic, what did you know? What did you do to make sure you stay present and stayed mindful with everything that's going on in the world? Right. This little room that I'm in right now. Mm-hmm. This is a two-bedroom condo, and in our living room is nothing but cameras. Oh. We spoke to the world, zooming, talking right. to people for <laughs> two years. Nice. I remember doing an interview one day, and the guy said, "Listen," he told the audience. Says, if you like jungle, if you want to hear uh, Joanna fresh and celebration, he said, don't tune up to it. Because I ain't going to play none of that. I'm playing Cool and Gang of the 70s. Now, if you like jungle, boogie, Hollywood playing funky stuff, see if you can truly. I'm going to play chocolate buttermilk, raw hamburger. That's what we're going to play. <laughs> tune in. <laughs> but you wouldn't know that if you wasn't locked in. Mm-hmm. a locked-in mm-hmm. situation. And, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, right here, I would Zoom, and I'll go out and walk around my community about five or six times and mm-hmm. come back in, and it forced us to do that. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That has been a blessing. Yeah, yeah. I have, I, yeah I'm sorry. No, I said I have, I have heard artists say that um, during that pause, it was really an opportunity to engage you know and, and re-engage like a lot of people said they spent so much time prior to the pandemic on the road performing or in the studio okay. making music they didn't have the opportunity to really sit down and connect mm-hmm. as much as they wanted to probably with fans or to do interviews like this um so it, it was it, i think it was a great opportunity for artists to reconnect reach out and touch the people aside from performances yes definitely you know this is another thing I can't get into it just yet. And he won the World Series. Dusty Baker and I. Dusty Baker. Yeah. Yes. Solar uh, Energy. Solar Energy. Energy, yeah. There you go. I was going to yeah. ask him about that. Yeah, we, yeah. And I've been waiting, and he's been waiting. He just won the World Series. African yeah. American. Congratulations. <laughs> Dusty. Uh, cool, uh, cool Dusty. Uh, Baker Energy. Wow. Nice. Yep. Look at that. Oh, man. Who Baker Energy? How about that? Yeah. And what we're going to do, we're going to do concerts in Africa that's going to be powered by solar energy. Mm-hmm. Not by those, uh, you know, when you have some of those concerts where you have the, uh, the generators and they run out of gas. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That kind of stuff. No. <laughs> Coming straight from energy. Yeah. <laughs> As we see our album called, we're gonna light up the world. There you go. Full <laughs> our energy. There you yeah. go. Nice. I'm I'm sure you probably traveled the world several times over by now. Oh, I've been to Africa almost uh, thirty years ago. Mm. We did a project called for the children of Africa. Wow. Uh, we got the blessings of Nelson Mandela at the time. 
Uh, we're getting ready to do Children of Africa Part 2 now. Nice. Because Africa is playing a very important role, especially with African beat and African music and mm-hmm. you know, everything that's going on right now. So yeah. the time is right. Yeah, yeah. Everything. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah, that's got that's gotta be an amazing experience. Wow. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, stay well, tuned. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you again. It was a, it was a wealth of knowledge. Okay. All right. Well, much success to you, brothers. Thank Appreciate you. It. Thank you.